0: Things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
1: The Michael
2: Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now, michael at lmfm.ie.
3: Wednesday the 22nd of August with much debate and discussion from now till 11am, this is Michael Reed on LMFM Bells rang out across uh, the 26 dioceses in uh, the country yesterday to mark the start of uh, the World Meeting of Families in Dublin. Pope Francis, Francis is to be in attendance and will visit various locations across uh, the country on Saturday and on Sunday. We'll begin our programme now by listening to what Pope Francis said in this video message to the people of Ireland. Dear friends,
4: As I prepare to visit
3: Ireland in a few days for the World Meeting of Families, I send a warm word of greeting to all the Irish people. Speaking in English, the Pope said he was excited to be coming back
1: here.
4: I'm excited to think I came back to Ireland. As you As know, the World meeting, meeting
3: is a celebration of God's plan for the family. It is also an occasion for families from all over the world to meet and support one another in living out their special vocation. Families today face many challenges in their efforts to embody faithful love, to bring up children with sound values, and to be a leaven of goodness, love and mutual concern in the larger community. You know all this. I hope that this festival will be a source of encouragement to families everywhere, especially those families that will be present in Dublin. May it remind us all of the essential place of the family in the life of society and in building of a better future for today's young people. Young people are the future. It is very important to prepare them for the future. Preparing them today, in the present, but also rooted in the past, young people and their grandparents, this is very important.
4: Although the
3: specific reason for my visit to Ireland is the World Meeting of Families, I would like to include all the members of the Irish family. In a particular way, I pray that it may further the growth of unity and reconciliation among all Christ followers, as a sign of that lasting peace which is God's dream for our whole human family.
4: I know that
3: many people are working hard to prepare for my visit, and I thank all of them from my heart. I ask everyone to pray that this great festival will be a moment of joy and to serenity, a caress of Jesus' tender love for all families and indeed for all God's children.
5: I assure you of my
3: closeness in prayer and I would ask you to pray for me. From my heart, I send you my blessing. And this was the blessing that Pope Francis sent to the people of Ireland. God bless you all the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father Michael Cusick is the Rector of St. Joseph's Redemptorists in Dundalk. Father Cusick, that was a a very warm message that Francis was sending to the people of Ireland.
2: Absolutely. A lovely address for the opening of the World Meeting of Families. And uh, as you probably know, I've been working on it. We've been up in Dublin since last... um, Friday, getting things ready for our own team um, and in conjunction with the, the many, many hundreds of volunteers that have um, been preparing over the last three years to host this uh, very important gathering, really. It's a real honour for Ireland to be able to host it and to take in the thousands of people who, who are here. But I think Pope Francis' message is warm and it's sincere and uh, he's, he's a good man doing his best.
3: Uh, and he said he was excited to be coming here, uh, but he also said he, he's uh, excited to be coming back here.
2: Well, by the sound of even that sentence, he could have stayed a bit longer because he came over to learn English and he didn't learn it so well. But I suppose we're all, we, could all, we could all be accused of not getting there all the time. He, he, he's uh, Spanish and, and uh, Italian will be uh, his language while he's here. So he'd be translated uh, at every event rather than uh, trying to, to come to grips with English.
3: All right. And uh, the Pope uh, was uh, saying that uh, this is an opportunity for the people of uh, the world to to celebrate what families are and how important families are. But of course, there's different definitions of uh, families uh, and uh, that is a, a bone of contention for many.
2: Yeah, I think it is, and I think people create it as a bone of, uh, of contention at times too. You know, the, the the overall thing is, it's 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 a bit like it's a bit like different aspects of church that you'll say, like people will say, like who can and can't go to communion, but. Well, there's never been, you've never filled out a, 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 a questionnaire, you know, when you come forward to receive the Lord in Holy Communion. We don't say who's married, who isn't married, who's worthy or who's unworthy. We all say together, Lord, I am not worthy to be here, you know, uh, but but I'm responding to to an invitation to go. Um, I, I think one of the big bones of contention came around the LGBT um, inclusion and in, in the booklets and look at all, all these things are are Swimming in politics, uh, I, I'd be saddened to think anyone would feel that they weren't welcome to the world meeting of, uh, of families. And again, yesterday up in the RDS, and we were setting up our stand. You know, there was there, there was. Um, just a, a warmth of welcome and spirit that was going on there. I, I, I personally feel sorry that uh, if all the stories are right about the the LGBT uh, support group uh, from the states who tried to get a stand at the RDS that they weren't allowed in. Um, that to me, I think, is a is a very bad and a wrong decision because within it, within every family, you, ha- you have the whole. Um, Range of realities of life today. Not every family, not every family functions according to the same formula, and we live happily together or try to live happily together without judgment and without a sense of exclusion. For for the last few years, we in, in, in Saint Josephs have been out of our monastery because of uh, work from the monastery. We're living in a, in a regular neighbourhood, for want of a better phrase, and uh, we have all shapes and, and uh, of neighbours mm. and all constitutions of family, and we all get along fine.
6: You know, there's there's nobody sits in judgment one well, or the you, other.
3: You, you may do, uh, uh, but uh, I'm not sure that's the case with everybody, Michael. I, I mean, Mary McAleese has uh, described this as a, a right wing rally, rally uh, motivated to fight against the tide of same-sex marriage, rights for gays, abortion rights, and contraceptive rights.
2: I know, that's what she said. Yeah, I I listened to that interview the other day. I thought it was, I I think she's very wrong. And and she's actually saying that it began uh, with that in mind. Uh, I think if you went back on the the interview that she gave, that was an RTE, wasn't it? And I, I, so. I think, mm. yeah, and I think she said that it it started out as this, but certainly there's no element of that uh, present in in um, the event that I've been uh, involved with in, in Dublin um, and attaching there at the moment. I mean, if people want to gauge something that way, if it doesn't fit in, no, you're not. There's there's no one up up in the RDS the promoting abortion. Well. Clearly, that's not going to happen because it's not one of the the, the, the areas that the Catholic Church is, is a pro-life group in, in that sense. And you know, I, I was I was sort of intrigued at the way she threw in those sort of things into her comments. She is, of course, and 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 without uh, with reason, and um, somebody who's hurting at the moment. And she she a lot of people would would debate the, the content of some of some of Mary, but I'm not on to talk about Mary McIlhenny, I suppose. Uh, but um, I don't see any of that aspect manifests that the people who are coming from our parish and will go to, go to our, our ordinary people. They're not right-wing people. They're ordinary families with the problems well,
3: well, of ordinary well, families. Well, well, that's if you think it's not right-wing to oppose same-sex marriage.
2: And where are you seeing this, uh, this um, being, being carried out in the, in the World Meeting of Families?
3: No, but the Church's position is opposed to same-sex marriage.
2: Yeah, the ch- yeah, because the church
3: has its own teaching and the church, the church is the church. I mean, sa- I mean, sa- same-sex couples believe they are a family uh, and therefore sure. they are not included in different. the world meeting of families because this is a church rally. Uh, and if you say it's not right-wing to be against same-sex marriage, well, then it's not a right-wing rally. Uh, well, are you telling rally, me that everybody just, if, the I, if I just could finish the point, if you believe that it is right-wing to think that same-sex marriage is wrong, well, then it is a right-wing rally.
2: But are you saying to me that everybody who's up at the World Meeting of Families believes? Do you think, do you think that the legislation in Ireland changed because... Well, do you? All cast, well, all, do you? I don't. I don't for a moment. So you
3: don't believe in the teachings of the church. You don't believe in the teachings of the pope. I'm not,
2: I'm not. I'm not saying that. I haven't for a moment said that. Now you're trying to put words into my mouth, and I won't allow you to do it. Um, what What happened when, when the same-sex referendum came through here in the country? The whole nation voted. Everybody had to go according to their own conscience. And if you're suggesting for a moment that all Catholics voted, voted against it. Then that's a very wrong stance for you to take, and you'd know I that, it that. I wasn't well, suggesting that.
3: I wasn't suggesting that. What I'm
2: saying is the world is, is made up of many, many people, many, many groupings, and nobody is above there with a flag saying I'm, saying I'm in favour of or I'm against anything. The it's church. About trying to strengthen family relations.
3: The church teaches that sexual relations between people of the same gender is wrong, it's sinful. Yes. Right. Uh, So therefore, people of the same gender who are married, who are of the same sex, who are married, cannot be considered to be a family, and they are therefore excluded from the World Meeting of Families. And
2: where are you saying they're not considered to be a family?
3: Where
2: are you reading that from?
3: Well... Where are you reading that from? Well, I'm applying applying logic uh, to to, a church... I'm You're applying logic to. Oh yes, I am deducing that when a, a church is celebrating what the family is, uh, it's not yeah. going to celebrate what it believes to be a sinful relationship, or is it?
2: No, but it's not about the sinful. The family isn't a sinful relationship. Family is a reality. People are in. I, I have I have next door neighbors that 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 are same sex couple and they're having their children, and we don't view them in in any way as being sinful or wrong or anything like that. We see them as a family who live alongside us. And we accept them and embrace them and and learn to live with them. I can't, I can't, I can't alter church teaching around, around sexual acts. And it's actually the sexual act, if you look at the church teaching, yes. that, needs, that, that, that is that is uh, denounced in that sense. But which which that is, is
3: a, which is why marriage is not recognised. Uh, it's denounced by the church.
2: No, the relation No, 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 no. That's not why. That's not why.
3: Same-sex marriage.
2: No, no, no. You're saying that the the fact that the fact that a sexual relation, the sexual act, is condemned by the church, or is is, is seen as intrinsically evil, which is a terrible phrasing that's used, that, you, that 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 somehow rolls over into marriage. No, it doesn't. Okay, the so fact so that so The so, teaching so, on so, marriage so, is, so, about, so. is about marriage being for a male and a female. That's the church's stance on that one. It's not about sexual Well, acts.
3: well about uh, Forgive me for deducing, but I, I I would deduce from what you're saying that uh, the church does not bless relationships uh, that are, are formed uh, with a, a way of expressing love for each other by uh, an intrinsically evil act. Yeah, probably.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. what the paperwork okay. would look so, like. But I'll have to say, well, no, the paperwork—it's—it's
3: it's, it's what same-sex couples are hearing from the church. It's why it they're excluded. Case. It's why they're hurt.
2: Well, yes, yes, that may be the case. Yeah, that may be the case. I, I, I can't, I can't answer. For that and, and I'm, not, I'm not the voice of the church. all I can say is that they welcome people we, we welcome worshipers in our own church mm. who are of same sex um, unions we, we know them, we, we support them, we do what we can to, to, to be there for them. What church teaches and doesn't teach, I and mean, there are a whole lot of church mm. teachings, many many church teachings that you and I in our daily lives want it here to that we break and that that are offensive is that
3: that what confession is for to allow you to sin
2: no it's not just mention confession there. I don't know why you're dragging these things in, Like You're coming off
3: off. an office. Well, I just don't understand why you would say that the church teaches things that we don't live by. I mean, uh, there's very few members of the church uh, who follows its teachings on contraception. Yet we've uh, a bishop condemn people who use contraception, who says that uh, IVF is completely wrong because, I mean, this, this interview was... Pretty hard to listen to talking about men using pornography to masturbate uh, in order to produce sperm, uh, and as a result of that, that was uh, encouraging uh, people into uh, the porn industry and that sort of thing.
2: I didn't hear that interview, but I'm, I'm, I mean, if that's what it is, that's if that's what you're saying it said, I don't even know who, who it refers Bishop to. Bishop Doran, yes. Uh, yeah, I didn't
3: hear that. Have you heard it? I read it. I, I read it, yes, yes.
2: Okay, okay, I didn't, I didn't, uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm flat out. i afraid trying to get
3: things ready here for that. Okay, the, for I, the I, 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 as as a number of cardinals, where two of them have withdrawn, two of them have been asked to withdraw, or the Pope asked to, to withdraw them from speaking. Uh, this whole rally is marred in controversy, isn't it, Michael?
2: Um. Well, it's not a rally; it's a congress. So the rally is coming from Mary McAleese's phrase, I suppose. There in in, in that it has been, uh, unfortunately. I mean, the timing couldn't be worse in terms of of the the um, Pennsylvania report. Um, that that it has um, somehow tried to, you know, has has overshadowed some levels of it. But I mean, by and large, those who have worked very hard here around the country uh, to to put this. Uh, Congress together and um they they are going to, over the next three or four days, still try to give to the people who attend the Congress a warm welcome. They're trying to facilitate a very big um, national event that we're looking in this country to be able to host. And I think it, it will um, certainly be a time that will strengthen families. It is also open to, in terms of its talks, I think Eamon Martin has taken over the, the talk of, of uh, uh, Cardinal World uh, this morning. And uh, it, it, yeah. it, gives a, it does give a chance for people to to, to discuss and share ideas and talk about the very things that you're raising there and things that are no longer acceptable or things that people feel, you know, are are hurtful or, or, or damaging in terms of... Like what? Of, uh, of like,
3: like, like, like covering up uh, sex crimes, like moving priests yes. from parishes? all yes. uh,
2: t- those things. And, I mean, look, if, if you think you're any more disgusted with that than I am, you know, the, 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 the clergy on the ground, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, we're really deeply sick by all this sort of stuff. Absolutely, point, absolutely. Yeah, but 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 you see,
3: but the irony here is that Archbishop Martin is replacing somebody accused of all of that, condemned in that report uh, from Pennsylvania for exactly that reason. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't get
7: your point
2: on that one now.
3: Well, Cardinal Wall remains a cardinal. He's not answering questions. He's nowhere to be seen. He's withdrawn from yeah. giving the talk about protecting children uh, that uh, he failed to protect.
2: Yeah, I, I well, the fact that he's gone to the Congress, I think, is good. I don't think it. Uh, I think it was. It it must have been his own decision to pull to pull out of the, out of the Congress. Um, it wasn't planned that he was there as somebody who was who, I, don't, I don't even know what exactly he was meant to be mm. there to be honest with well, you well, I think the child safeguarding one is on another day but maybe I'm wrong I'm open to correction OK that, that um,
3: might have been uh, uh, Cardinal O'Malley and but, I may be wrong but yeah, the, the and, point you know, remains the same
2: those, all of all of those people who remain in place clearly something the, the anger that, that the people on the ground feel about that and that priests on the ground and the church feel about it is, is a shared anger and I know you, might, you mightn't be able to understand that, but, that we would continue doing the work that I, we, do
3: that do of, I do understand it. I do understand it, but you may not be all. able to understand, Father, why people are asking for action rather than words. And well, I'm
2: well able to understand that. I'm well able to understand that. How we can bring that change about is what, is what is, isn't available to me. You know, the powers that be within the church are not the powers that are on the ground. But are you, know, you, are, are,
3: you, are you asking people to accept the inaction of the people who have the power?
2: I don't ask anyone to accept anything. I think it's utterly unacceptable. It's unacceptable when people when people are allowed to continue in positions that cause harm and damage. Okay. I 100%, 100% state that categorically. A- and Card- thing-
3: Cardinal World who has withdrawn... Uh, is being asked questions about his uh, association with Cardinal McCarrick, uh, uh, a notorious paedophile by all accounts. Cardinal Kevin Farrell, who's organising the World Meeting of Families, is being asked to answer questions about his association with McCarrick.
2: Yeah, and I don't know anything about those. I mean, these are the powers that be high up in the the, the highest level. Does that not make you feel
3: uncomfortable, though, to be involved in this? Uh,
2: Not to be involved in the World Meeting of Families, no, because I think what we're we doing on the ground is is what we do every day I'm actually passed up on the road here on the way up to Portadown to be with a family whose father died earlier uh, this week, and the funeral mass today at eleven. And that's what, the, what what we on the ground do. We're with people to comfort to them in their times of need and in their in their in their times of greatest distress. We don't sit with with books. Unfortunately, the rule are there with comments that are hurtful and painful and the institution has all of that all of those things to deal with. I dunno I mean I would I would utterly Hate to have any 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 hand actor part in the trying to deal with with the, the, the powers that be because that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with power and movement of people at the top uh, at the top. And I'm sure Pope Francis, in his own good time, will get. And, and I'm sure if he could have done it yesterday or last year or twenty years ago, he'd have done it. That's my well. He couldn't have done it twenty years ago because he wasn't Pope. But, um, mm-hmm.
3: I, I think he's a fear. I'm just losing yeah. you there, Michael. Sorry. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. It sounds like you're not speaking into the mouthpiece.
2: Oh, yeah, I am. Oh, okay. I'm place. sorry. Maybe it's hey, the
3: location, as you say, you're on the road.
2: Yeah. yeah i'm on the am pulled in I'm yeah, the road yeah, here on the board, man. but yeah. Uh, yeah. i'm saying that that uh, i think pope francis you know is is trying his best it it must be a a monstrous job i don't know how he sleeps at night trying to trying to figure out how mm. to move forward on the complications and complexities of of the rule books of catholicism the bottom line for me is that we're called to return to, to the Christian way of life. And in the Christian way of life, you have a plan that's an awful lot simpler than all of these rules. Okay. It's, it's about love. It's about supporting people. It's about being with people in their times of need. And frankly, you know, it, it, it is, they're very, very deflating times to, to, to mm. live and be part of church for all of us. And, and I don't want to, to create or make it sound like as if the clergy are more deflated than anybody else. But it's a damn hard... Uh, place to be in and has been for the last uh, uh, decades really hearing this constant constant uh, revelations which are true Mm -hmm. and which which, I mean we can do nothing but all we can do and all any of us can do today is try and make the reality that we're working in, like me today as I go up to, to Portadown, try and offer to that family the support and solace that they need in their time of need. I needed it myself a few months back when my own father passed away. I'm going to Limerick after this funeral uh, where my colleague of ordination, he buried his father six weeks ago. He's burying his mother tomorrow. I mean, this is, this is the world that we live in and, and uh, regrettably it has the, the, the wallpaper that's surrounded are all of those... Um,
3: that you have, have the raised there, Micah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, okay, you know,
2: listen, we do we do try our best, and we'll continue to oh, try and, our and, best. And,
3: and, I, 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 and I do know that, and I hope it didn't come across any other way. I, I'm over. And time I now. very
2: much mm. want the people to feel, you know, that that just as in St. Josephs, we try and throw our doors open to mm. to everybody in every situation. There's nobody comes in there that's asked to fill out a questionnaire before they come into it. Okay. And, and and we try and welcome them as warmly
3: as we possibly can. All right, can. Michael, so, I have uh, to leave it there. I have gone over time. but listen, thank you very much indeed uh, for. Taking the time, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of celebration over the weekend uh, by people who are attending the world meeting, and I'm sure there'll be a very warm welcome for Francis. Thank you. I'm going to
2: say thanks to you. I'm sorry if I wasn't able to answer the (laughs) question.
3: No, well, sometimes questions are impossible to answer. Father Michael Kuzek, Rector of Saint Joseph's Redemptorists in Dundalk.
5: Michael, Michael Reid on,
3: on LMFM. Wednesday morning, the local newspapers are in your shops and Marie has most of them in front of her. Let's uh, take a look at what uh, they're reporting on. We'll start in Dundalka. Uh, you've uh, the Democrat there to start with, Marie. That's
8: right, Michael and the Democrat is reporting today. The, lead, the title of the lead story is Priced Out of Education. And I suppose it's reflecting the situation nationally, Michael, in relation to how difficult students are finding it to access accommodation, third-level students. And in Dundalk, it's no different for those attending the DKIT. Uh, Maria Maguire, the president of the Students' Union in the college, is warning that in Dundalk, students are facing stiff competition for rooms and houses from those working in the town and many are struggling to find a place. There's approximately 200 students who will be looking for accommodation in Dundalk. Obviously new students and there are only 90 beds available according to the accommodation
3: list. Which leaves a significant shortfall obviously as you say. That's a story that's been repeated across the country. Fortunately I suppose for the students in Dundalk they'll find that accommodation is cheaper than it is in other parts of the country, like in Dublin and so forth. But nonetheless, a significant challenge there. Uh, We stay in Dundalk and uh, the Argus leading on a crime story.
8: That's right, Michael. That was the story about the Garda car, patrol car being rammed by UK registered vehicle after it was pursued to the border last week. But it was a story inside that caught my eye, Michael, this week about two best friends who are getting inked As part of the Alone and the Ink Factory's joint bucket list project, in an effort to fight the stigma of ageing, 74-year-old Lily Barnacle and 75-year-old Dolores Waller are both getting their first tattoos on September 9th. God. braver than me Michael
3: <laughs> yeah alright uh, whatever you're into I suppose uh, you've uh, the Dundalk uh, leader there that's, as well that's
8: right this is a heartwarming story in their front page of a final push to see, to see fi- fire victims return to the home the paper reports how the kind community in Omid are close to fulfilling the promise they made to neighbours to see them return to the home that was destroyed by fire earlier this year Paddy and Alicia McEvitt not only lost their house Michael but all their possessions in the fire and the community have rallied round and have slowly but surely been getting the house back to its former glory. And the final push is on to get the project over the line. And there's a fundraiser being held in the hotel in Omid on Saturday night. So they're hoping for a big turnout for that.
3: OK, well, uh, they're coming down off the high of the flat <laughs> in right. Drogheda. What are the papers saying about it?
8: Well, in the Drogheda Independent I suppose, not surprisingly, after the, the amazing success, it is all about the flat. And they have a 12-page special inside. Have a look at it. You might might see your picture there. You maybe you could be dancing on the street or playing a musical instrument. But there's lots on the festival, lots of reports of individual events, and I suppose the title of the front page story is "We Want More," so it's a very apt headline indeed.
3: All oh, right, uh, and uh, Michael Smith, uh, the outgoing Bishop of Mead, uh, makes uh, for the lead of the Chronicle.
8: That's right. This centres around an interview that he gave to the Mead Chronicle last week, and it's criticisms of remarks that the Bishop made in an in, in the interview. His use of the word misdemeanors when referring to priests involved in sexual abuse of minors has been criticised by a prominent Mead educationalist Sean O'Domasic, who said that they should be rightly described as criminal activities. He asks, how could the revelations of the past decade, indeed the past week, be classified as misdemeanors.
3: Well, misdemeanor is a a word that's quite often used by members of uh, the clergy to talk about raping children Uh, and uh, I'm not sure it's the first time uh, that Michael Smith's uh, comments on uh, clerical abuse has uh, led to to negative uh, reaction. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, because it's years uh, since he he last spoke to this programme, but if I remember correctly, uh, it was because of questions we were asking about child sexual abuse clerical uh, children being abused yes. by priests uh, that Michael Smith said he'd he stop talking to us uh, he said some other things I think at the time that aren't worth repeating
8: Okay, but inside, Michael, uh, it's just worthwhile mentioning that it does seem that papal fever is gripping Navin. Uh, Louise Walsh is reporting that the Navin parish shop was caught by surprise by the sheer level of demand for religious items and flags ahead of the Pope's visit. Shop manager Louise Dunleavy states that hundreds of items were sold in one day, leaving her to quickly source extra supplies, with people snapping up bunting flags and cardboard papal chairs.
3: Okay, well, they will come in handy if uh, you don't fancy standing for too long. And I'm sure there is a, a lot of excitement and you're welcome to tell us if uh, that's the case. If you want to comment on one of uh, those uh, stories uh, from uh, the papers that Marie has uh, been telling us about, we'd love to hear from you. Or for that matter, if uh, there's something else that you'd like to make comment on, you're welcome to get in touch and you'll be back with some of those comments pretty soon. I will well, indeed. Marie. All right, our telephone number is eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. Marie and Mackey are taking calls on that number, eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight you can text us on 086 1 800 658.
5: Michael, Michael
3: Reed on, on LMFM. FM. Now, the scramble for student accommodation is on, and with it, uh, the warning of uh, the rogues who are out to take advantage. Uh, Thomas Byrne, Fianna Fáil's uh, spokesperson on education, is with us, local TD in Meath East. And uh, thanks for coming in as a, 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 a great demand for places and when you've such demand, people are vulnerable and, and of course it's only prudent that people should be careful. There are people who are willing to take advantage.
9: Yeah, and look, and there always have been. Mm. Uh, this is a major problem. Uh, students are young, they're eager mm. uh, and obviously demand usually outstrips supply, but this year in particular, uh, and, and recent years, demand is massively outstripping supply so there's a real r- r- rush in there to get accommodation mm. and people can make mistakes or maybe not have their guard up as they should have. Uh, and so times
3: of the essence for a lot of people. I mean, if somebody is waiting on a a second round offer in particular, uh, they can have a matter of days to find somewhere.
9: Look, I've been there myself Mm. when I was in college and I didn't live up for the entire college uh, in Dublin, but I I know uh, what they're going through and there's all sorts of agencies, there's all sorts of scams. You've got to be really, really careful Mm. before handing any money over uh, and making sure that you you really are making the right decision if you can find the accommodation in the first place. And I think that actually is the key problem uh, that people are facing uh, at this particular juncture.
3: And do we do this uh, as efficiently as we could? I mean, no. No, uh, well, Well, no, because... You set the
9: exams in June, get the results in September, start in September uh, type of thing. Well, the biggest problem, of course, is that accommodation is not provided, uh, for the most part, Mm. by the universities and colleges themselves. That's the biggest mm, problem, Um, because, you know, if you go to college in America, okay, there's much higher fees mm. there, but you will have accommodation uh, at the universities. The same applies in in many of the universities in Mm. the UK as well. Well, that's what
3: we were hearing from Dundalk, from the papers there this morning, less than half uh, the amount of students will find somewhere to stay.
9: Yeah, and the problem with, with institutions like Dundalk, Dundalk is that Dundalk does not have a power to borrow itself in its own right. It does not have the power uh, to go out there and make investment and build student accommodation itself by its by its own decision unlike universities and I think that's a major problem that has been knocking around the, the sector for a long time and I think finally needs to be addressed. A lot of people have talked mm-hmm. about addressing it but they, it needs to be addressed. Now, there are complications with it uh, but if Dundalk uh, IT And DIT, the IT in Galway-Mayo, the IT in Cork and Limerick, if they were able to borrow, to invest, to build student accommodation themselves and were mandated to do so, uh, then we would definitely see an easing of the crisis. Because if you had a course in Dublin... Cork and Dundalk and mm-hmm. maybe if there was accommodation available in Dundalk, if Dundalk was far enough for y- away for you to, to go to, uh, to stay in mm-hmm. um, th- you know, it might be more attractive if there was accommodation there yeah,
3: and uh, that's <coughs> for another day <laughs> this time round, uh, you're looking at possibly the worst year ever because it's never been more expensive to rent we've a, a massive housing crisis on many fronts and it's uh, going to be very difficult to find somewhere, let alone afford somewhere Well it is
9: and there are <coughs> in towns like Dundalk as well, obviously there are industries there and new jobs from time to time announced and there are workers who need to live in those areas as well competing with students and inevitably they can pay more and that's obviously a key problem and I think we need to, we we really need to get more houses built Now that won't be done, that won't be done by by, by the start of this term but that, that is what has to happen and targets need to be increased, ramped up and put in the regions and not simply just in the cities as well
3: All right, I see you're concerned as well uh, about uh, the resignation of uh, the chief executive of the higher education authority, and uh, this is uh, because of tension over third level funding. You had promised to force the government uh, to provide more funding to third level education.
9: Well, we have a, we have <coughs> we have succeeded to some extent with them We finally got them to talk about third level, and they did appoint Mary Mitchell O'Connor as a as a junior minister uh, for third level, sitting at the cabinet. There was some extra funding given, not enough, Michael. I grant you that. Um, we don't know what number, what money will be available in the budget this year. So I'm not going to engage in speculation on air. Um, but just to say the third level is, uh, has been and will be a key priority for us uh, because we do realise the value of it in enabling people to go on, enabling people to achieve uh, their potential. But it is the
3: failure to fund it
9: Uh, to the extent
3: necessary or that you believe to be necessary, the reason uh, Dr. Love has uh, resigned, do you think?
9: Well, you know, I don't know Dr. Love well enough to have those private conversations with him, but I do, I have spoken to people who know him and I've spoken to people in the sector who are familiar with the reasons and I also can read the newspaper speculation about the reasons for his departure and certainly funding is one of the issues uh, that is surrounding his departure. It's extremely unusual, Michael, in this country uh, for a public servant in good standing uh, considered to be doing a good job resigns on what appears to be a matter of principle mm-hmm. and resigns because they don't seem to be able to do their just job. Just at
3: the beginning of the term as well. Just at the beginning of it's the ter- term, yeah. It's a terrible
9: time. It's a terrible time but that's the decision that he's, t- he's taken. He's in an excellent reputation and uh, has resigned as I said in good standing. That does not happen. So I think it is it is we really need to stand up and take notice of what he's saying well, because of the circumstances. You want to it. know what he's saying. Yeah. You, I, I mean, and, and gonna, said,
3: but That's my next question. You've got to ask the
9: minister I'm sure when the doll resumes. Well, First of all, Uh, we know we've some idea as to why he's resigned because there's speculation in newspapers and we can talk to people within you know the sector who who are familiar with it Uh, I have actually spoken to the chairperson of the education committee I think that we should invite uh, Dr Love to come into the education committee uh, to talk to us and to explain now he'd be under no obligation he's no longer uh, a public servant but I think it would be helpful for him to let us know at this particular time when he's left the job give us a a kind of a really independent uh, understanding of what's going on at third level in his view of it, I think that would be extremely valuable. Uh, he may well decide to do a media interview in the meantime, I don't know. Um, but I think if he came before the Education Committee, it would certainly open uh, a lot of windows, open a lot of doors and let us know what's happening. And then we could question the Minister for Education, uh, based on what Dr Love is saying.
3: Okay, Fianna Fáil is looking north of the border by all accounts?
9: Well, Fianna Fáil has always taken an extremely close interest uh, in, in, in the north, in the six counties, so that's not unusual, Michael.
3: Alright, but a merger with the STLP?
9: Well, look, this story has been going on for years years and years and years. I remember in 2008, <laughs> uh, we were there was a load of us <laughs> it's TDs. going on and, today, though. What's yeah, I know, but uh, uh, the, well, I'll just go back and give yeah. some of the history. In 2008, there was quite a few of us TDs at the time sent up to the STLP conference in what would have looked like a kind of a takeover. That never happened. Uh, I suppose it's fair to say they have always been close relations with the STLP. I've had close relations with, with them myself, canvassing over, at various points with Seamus Mannan, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so this speculation will... Uh, be there from time to time it is true to say that we have a very strong interest in the north we have committed to standing in elections and we think it is important and uh, nationalists are represented at the moment nationalists have no representation whatsoever in the westminster parliament mm. and i think that scenario has to change
3: what is going on though is it a, a cooperative uh, that is being looked at or a merger
9: there, I, I, I can't say that, Michael. Um, what I do know is that there's a lot of things under consideration. This is one of the things that's under consideration. Okay. But this has been under consideration before. This wouldn't be new. Mm. Uh, and every so often this comes into the papers. And I said it would have started about 10 years ago. So
3: if it's a, a merger. Which you're not ruling out. Uh, I'm not
9: ruling it out, but I'm certainly not ruling it
3: in. OK, but it, yeah. well, if you're not ruling it out and you're talking about uh, running for seats in Westminster... But well, we've already said
9: we'll do... We've al- no, we've already said that we'd run in the north. We haven't made a decision about Westminster. Or, well, I think I mean,
3: you said that a moment ago, but OK, so... Well, now, well, but, well, what I said was the
9: uh, Nationals aren't represented <coughs> in Westminster. And that's a real failure right, well, at all, that, where Brexit's going uh, on. And,
3: yeah. Maybe I jumped the gun. We're talking about local European elections anyway, and then possibly Westminster. Uh, but if you're talking about running for Westminster, you're talking about Fianna Fall representatives swearing an oath of allegiance to the Queen?
9: No, like that, that, that question is asked from time to time and you know you can give all sorts of historical examples etc but the party hasn't made a decision first of all to run in Westminster so we haven't made it, that hasn't ever come up at any meeting of Fianna Fáil ever. Um, yeah, give so it up though
3: about Sinn Féin not to What I am, what,
9: what, what I will say about Fianna Fáil is that if we were to run for any seat we would take up our seats and if we had to... If we and did, swear the oath. If, if we decided not to take our seats then we wouldn't run uh, for that particular office. Yeah. I think that's, that's the difference, Michael. So are you expressing an allegiance to the <laughs> Queen of England? <laughs> Michael, all I can do is laugh at that question, because that's the last thing Fianna Fáil, uh, will do. Uh, we haven't made any decision. It has never come up in conversation about Westminster. What has come up is that we are interested in running uh, for, yeah, election, for election in the right, North. But then you've got uh, the uh, Assembly yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all yeah. power is supposed to be dissolved uh, devolved, mm. uh, to the Assembly. The Assembly mm. isn't even up and running. The place is tragic at the moment up there. Let's be honest. The North is a tragic place. Mm. There is no political system operating at all. And it's about time politicians who really want to improve people's lives, who want to really you, give do, it, give a jolt to that yeah. abject poverty mm. in West Belfast and change things there and in other places like it, well, some uh, of the worst in Europe, uh, then we need politicians who are actually prepared to go into government and run the place. And primarily that can be done from the Assembly uh, and the Executive.
8: Well,
3: some sort of a, an agreement, a merger even, between Fianna Fáil and the SDLP, isn't going to lead to the re-establishment of the Assembly in itself. Well, no, not in itself. But Even you see, if you it, were it, to get all of the Nationalist it, votes, you'd have the DUP and the UUP to contend with. For that well,
9: I mean, look, uh, there's a lot of problems, but I know that we have always had a huge interest in the North and problems that seemed intractable before, such as in the run-up to the Good Friday Agreement. Fianna Fáil, uh, got involved, uh, got our hands dirty and made sure that that agreement was signed. And mm. Fianna Fáil played a key role in that. Fianna tishik uh, Bertie Hearn, Albert Reynolds, and Charles Hyde before that to try and bring things to uh, resolution mm. there where they seemed irresolvable. So I think that you know we can put that experience in practice, uh, and practice prof- and and it has to be said professionalism in dealing the, with uh, government, the, which isn't, hasn't always been perfect.
5: Don't the, get me the, wrong, the, but the, we know how to the, we know the, how to be in government. The idea
9: of standing candidates for Westminster is a laugh. It, it's, it, no, no. Sorry, I laughed at your suggestion about Fina Fáil. You, you see, as usual, Michael, you've gone a bit four steps ahead. Uh, what I, what I laughed at was that you, your assertion. Uh, that we had made some kind of decision uh to, to swear oaths, etc. that has never come up for conversation. What I said was we are interested in, in being in government in the South, uh, very much so, but also we are interested in, in absolutely reversing course in the tragic state of Northern Ireland, and that's the way it is at the moment. Okay, we live there. Thanks for coming in Thanks. to us.
3: Uh, this morning Fit of T D for me, these Thomas Burns, is party spokesperson on education. Michael,
5: Michael Reed on LMFM, on LMFM.
3: Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Cairns joins us with some of the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie.
8: Good morning, Michael. Seamus from Drogheda phoned in. Seamus tells me that he took a case against a priest after being abused uh, many years ago and it took five years to get to the High Court and he says that the order in question put every obstacle in his way to delay the case and he says it just sickens him to see the amount of money that's been spent to bring the Pope to Ireland and on the Pope's visit. Okay. He says it seems to him that money is their God and could it not be better spent? It's working out, he believes it's something like a million an hour, which is what people have been saying and he says, and the Pope is going to be asleep for some of that time. He just says it's not acceptable. Okey doke. Michael says Jack and Cullen, will you be at the Pope? I doubt it. Are we not allowed to have a free choice and go to the Pope? The media has done its best to stop people going. It's a shame says Jack.
3: Okay, I'm not sure whether he says that. It's a text, so I'm just reading that Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm.
8: Feel sorry for Catholics looking forward to seeing this great Pope. All it is is negativity, says Catherine. Of course, child sex abuse is wrong. Nobody can condone it. Nobody should cover it up. And steps must be taken to ensure it doesn't happen. And anybody involved should face the full vigours of the law this uh, Catherine says that uh, that there's not as much focus at all on the great work that many priests do Day, in, day All right. Well, let's
3: take a look at what Catherine she's saying. That people should face the full vigours of the law. The mm. problem is that they're not. Mm. Uh, uh, in terms of what we've been doing on the radio this morning, I certainly thought uh, this morning's broadcast was very balanced. In that we heard from Pope Francis uh, at uh, the very start of uh, the programme and played all of his statement to you uh, and translated his statement for you. The statement uh, that he, he made by video to the Irish people yesterday. We heard mm-hmm. from Father Michael Cusack, uh, who's very heavily involved in organising the World Meeting of Families and I think he had some very positive things to say uh, about uh, the Congress, the event that it is and why it's happening and so on. Uh, and of course there are those questions uh, that will continue to be asked until they're answered appropriately.
8: Jim from Navin says, why are criminals in the so-called clergy not being rounded up and put in jail? Is there an immunity for these criminals? Sooner the Irish people realise that they are funding an organisation Bulging with wealth and do little or nothing for the poor, the better. I don't consider myself Catholic anymore. Christian, yes, but won't give them money anymore. It's time for people to wake up, says Jim. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anne from Navin phoned in and says that the priest, and that's Father Michael Cusack, had his wires crossed. Homosexuality is wrong. When they perform sex, it's wrong, says Anne.
3: Well, that's the teaching of uh, the church. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, that's what uh, uh, Father Cusick said. I think. He, I think he said that's the teachings of the church. Uh, but uh, he was saying uh, that uh, being in a gay relationship wasn't wrong.
8: Um, the money, texter, The money it's costing to bring the Pope here and all the homeless. It's just a joke. Cop on, Lear Vradker, says this texter.
3: Okay, right, well uh, I suppose it's like any state visit, it will cost in terms of security and organisational matters uh, I think it's in uh, the region of 36 million euro that this visit will cost the church is hoping to raise 20 million, Uh, it appears uh, to be struggling uh, but determined to raise uh, the final 5 million out of uh, that 20 million euro so uh, time will tell but uh, undoubtedly uh, it will put the country in a great light and put a, a great focus on Ireland and Uh, the type of publicity that perhaps you can't... Hi. Now, uh, the uh, issues uh, affecting farmers like CAP, Brexit, farmer tax and the fodder crisis will all be discussed at a public meeting which is taking place on Thursday of this week at uh, the Meath Hill Community Centre in Drumconrath. And to, to tell us more, we're joined uh, by Gavin Carbery, the ICSA Louth Chairman and National Tillage Committee Chairperson. Good morning to you, Gavin, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, you've uh, a number of speakers lined up for this.
6: Yes, uh, good morning Michael and thanks for having me on the show uh, We have a number of speakers lined up uh, for tomorrow night We have Matt Carty, our MEP He's going to be speaking about CAP and Brexit and bear in mind Brexit is supposed to be happening in less than six months time on the first of March We have Walter Fox uh, from IFAC and Trim He's going to be talking about the farm or tax issues and cash flow We have John Halley. He's our ICSA Suckler chairman. He's going to be talking about finding right support for Suckler farmers. And we also have our ever popular uh, Seamus Sherlock. He's going to be talking about the further challenge that's going forward at the moment and also uh, touching on uh, vulture funds.
3: Okay, all very significant issues. uh, But what's the objective of the meeting?
6: The objective of the meeting is farming at the minute is going through a crisis. Uh, Even weather-wise there, we went from winter into summer uh, with with, uh, the winter and then the drought. We also have uh, a money crisis at the moment because farmers are feeding uh, at the moment for nearly 18 months extra than they already should be. Uh, In relation to the tax issues going forward, some of these farmers are looking at possibly disposing of stock because they haven't got enough fodder to, to feed them coming into the winter. And uh, shame or michelle like that, as I say, I'd be mm. touching about the culture funds. Sure, look.
3: but I, I gather you want to hear from farmers themselves uh, to learn what it is the ICSA should be raising on their
5: behalf.
6: Yes, the, the meeting's open to all uh, farmers They don't even have to be ICSA members and everybody's able to come. They've got public representative there and to voice their opinion on, on the... On the Future of the following
3: cap. Okay, Gavin, thanks for that. That's half seven tomorrow in the community centre in Drum Conrath. Gavin Carberry, the Louth chairman and National Tillage Committee chairperson of the ICSA. Now let's go back uh, to more comments. Uh, Marie, what else have you got for us?
8: Yes, we've uh, commented just in relation to the accommodation, the student accommodation. Uh, a parent phoned in and says, I have a child starting in college in September. I think that the government should look at providing extra supports towards the cost of accommodation because uh, of the amount that it is costing now, far more than it ever did. We are just outside the threshold, she says, to qualify for a grant. But the cost of accommodation is going to be a huge burden and will place enormous pressure on our family. It's not possible to commute in this case because of the distance of the college, so we have no choice but to pay.
3: Yeah, well, good luck with that.
8: Um, Then we had some response to our interview yesterday with one of the presidential hopefuls, uh, Kevin Sharkey, or Kevin Sharkey, I should say, Kevin Sharkey. Uh, Tom from Dundalk says um, that he felt that listening to the interview, he thinks that Kevin is just fabulous altogether and it's about time his views were aired. There's not enough people like him, unafraid to speak out. He gets my vote Any time, Mm. says Tom. Well, that's if he gets the the nomination. Uh, Mm. Councillor Sharon Tolan tweeted uh, in response to the interview to say that Kevin should have come to Drogheda last week and he would have seen plenty of us showing our Irishness proudly says Sharon. That was in response to one of his comments during the interview. Um, Another listener says, it's good to hear from these people that are seeking a nomination to get a sense of who they are and how they are hoping to represent us if they did get elected to the highest office. So a bit of response there, there. yes, to that. Uh, On the cycling We were talking about that yesterday, Michael, and the helmets. Pat got in touch and just says, I don't know about anywhere else, but cycling on footpaths in Balbriggan has become an epidemic. It's only a matter of time he fears that someone will get hurt very badly or even killed and feels that that should be looked at. He doesn't feel that cyclists should be allowed on the footpaths.
3: Yeah, well, I nearly got run over myself yesterday walking home by... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a young fly either. I was very surprised at it. Really? Yeah, yeah, mm. Just on the footpaths? On the footpaths, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. somebody just came mm, up. Yeah.
8: Um, Ella from Drogheda says, with the way uh, some people drive with no indicators, speeding, etc., soon even pedestrians will have to wear helmets.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it's impossible to know that somebody's going to turn a corner if they don't have an indicator on, Uh, although that's a a waste of breath.
8: Another listener says that listening to the show regularly and you never seem to give the cyclists an easy time.
3: (laughs) Oh, I'm just very worried about them.
8: Exactly. Mm and uh, that's it Michael I think that's it
3: okay. we've finished All that right. one well, that's uh, enough for the moment uh, yeah. perhaps uh, we'll hear from more people before we finish up if you would like uh, to make contact as always we'd love to hear from you our telephone number is 185715958 and you can leave your comment with Marie or Maggie who are taking calls on that number 185715958 you can also text a comment to us and our text number is 0861800658 Michael Reed on
5: LMFM, on LMFM.
3: The uh, bureaucrats are looking at uh, the sums because once uh, the politicians return, it'll be all focus on the budget. And Sean Healy of Social Justice Ireland is on the line with us because the last time we spoke, Sean, we were talking about how the government has 800 million uh, euro uh, at its disposal come October for 2019, uh, but that if uh, they were to restore the VAT rate to 13% for the hospitality sector, uh, that would raise another 500 million. It was reduced to 9% in 2011. And we said, well, there's many ways of skinning a cat and there's many ways of raising money. And it's 800 million if that's what you choose to have, but you can choose to have a a lot more. Now, the revenue commissioners have been doing the sums and they say if uh, they introduce a 43% rate of income tax for people earning more than Eighty thousand. they could raise another four hundred billion four hundred and thirty three billion in fact the biggest problem with this apparently is that when this news was read out yesterday there were many people middle income earners the squeezed middle income earners who choked on their wheatabix.
4: Absolutely. Uh, uh, The 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 introduction of a third rate of tax is an idea that has been floating around there for quite some time. It's not one that we support. Uh, It's not that we're against it either, but uh, I I would think that there are other things that could be done uh, that would be effective uh, at raising the kind of money that's required without uh, putting further stress on uh, people on middle incomes, basically, or slightly higher than middle incomes. Because if people are over 80,000, this is talking about People mm. uh, on eighty thousand, um, they are two and a half times above, uh, or almost two and a half times above the average income. So they're not, they're not low. They're not even middle income. There, anybody with an income above eighty thousand uh, is in the top. Um, uh, sort of tranche of people earning in Ireland. Mm. Now that's not saying that that's a huge amount of money uh, I understand fully um, the, the kinds of uh, challenges that people are facing particularly in terms of housing and accommodation uh, rent and our house purchase all that sort of thing mm. and a whole lot of other stuff uh, that, that uh, where bills are are, are very real and But it so is only
3: 3 cent extra per euro over 80,000 I mean you'd be able to earn 79,999 Euro and see your uh, net com- income unchanged, uh, it's over that that you'd be paying another three cents per
9: euro. Uh,
4: it- Exactly. And not to know that, it's important to bear in mind that the same study done by the revenue commissioners for the government, mm. published uh, on the weekend, shows that uh, only 22% of people actually pay uh, the higher level of, of uh, tax at this moment. Now, that's partly because there are other, you know, there are tax credits and that people are entitled to mm. uh, and a variety of other things. And as a result, uh, they pay the standard rate. Uh, but the reality, we have to face two things.
3: That's an increase. It was about percent. So yeah, 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 that yeah, is yeah, correct. That yeah. is
4: That is a slight yeah. increase. It yeah. was twenty percent, and it's gone up to twenty-two percent all, of all of all of all involved. But there's two things that we need to bear in mind. First of all, is that the overall tax um That's the overall amount of the economy that is taken in taxation, including all taxes and and so on, charges and so on, is low by European standards. Now, I always immediately follow that by saying the second thing is that... uh, Income tax is is actually quite progressive in Ireland, um, and I would not be pushing for any huge increases in or any big increases at all in income tax. What I would be pushing for is a bit of a fairer system, mm-hmm. uh, and particularly if you have money available for cutting taxes, uh, for cutting income tax, um, the way it should be done would be uh, to increase tax credits because everybody would get the same value. So if you earn thirty thousand or eighty thousand or 180,000, you'd benefit by exactly the same amount uh, uh, if you had uh, di- 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 if you had an increase in your tax credit. But the, the bottom line, though, for me is that I think we need to think in terms of how to find other ways in which we can actually uh, increase the overall tax take so that we can move towards the european average mm. uh, tax take so that then we're in a position to provide uh, the the health service the education uh, system and the um, the, the uh, things like rural broadband and uh, social housing uh, that we're not providing at the moment uh, are certainly not providing uh, to the standard and the scale required. And uh, But to do that, we need to increase our tax take, not dramatically, but to move it towards the European average. Not necessary to reach the European average, um, but to, to move it towards it. And we're quite a distance from that. And that's why we're proposing things uh, like, for example, that you mentioned earlier on that we discussed before that um, maybe... Uh, People, uh, hotels uh, should lose the benefit that they were given uh, some years ago in the middle of the crisis when yeah. there was nobody coming to Ireland uh, and uh, that, that they should actually go back to paying uh, 13.5% fat and certainly when you look at the huge prices now being uh, being charged in Ireland like, I think the average price for a hotel room is like 112 euro now mm. uh, that's the average not in the greater Dublin area but across the whole country when you realise that that's the kind of charging that's going on, these these hotels obviously have uh, very, uh, they're, they're close to being full the whole time, mm. so they're doing doing—they're doing very, very well. Well, they're all they full
3: this week, and uh, I dread to think how much you pay for a hotel room <laughs> in, in Dublin uh, if you're attending uh, any of the world meeting with family crazy. events. Um, but uh, we stay with income tax for a, a moment, okay. uh, because that 433 million that we were talking about, that was uh, because of introducing this rate of 43% for people mm. earning over 80,000. They did a few calculations. There was another one, same rate, €120,000 and you'd raise €280 million. Euro. So, uh, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, I, I think...
4: There is certainly a strong argument that can be made for the introduction of a third rate of income tax. Uh, Obviously, if if there are two questions then uh, that have to be answered. What's the rate? So what they're looking at here is 43% uh, as the top rate. And uh, where do you actually apply it? So if you were to apply it at something above 120,000, well, that's like – that's – well over three times uh, the average income that people have in Ireland, because Ireland's uh, incomes Ireland. are not huge by by, by, by uh, Western European standards. So that, that in, in average terms, I'm talking about. So you could see a situation certainly where uh, they they could introduce a 43% income tax rate on uh, incomes above 120,000. Um, now that would mean it would be very clearly. A situation in which the better off are actually making uh, an additional contribution, the interesting thing they found there though was that if you were to um, they, like if, if, if the if thing kicked in if the that, that particular mm. amount kicked in for a person at one hundred thousand uh, they I think they would wind up paying only about 600 euro more in in uh, tax now. I yes, it's only... 600
3: on top of 38,000 uh, nearly 39,000 so you're talking about paying in around 40,000 uh, close to half of the 100,000 that you earned to the tax man.
4: Well yeah but it's actually less than 40% you know, I think it's important to keep those numbers because sometimes people say, oh, I'm paying more than half of my money to the tax man, or whatever. Uh, I think we need to kind of take a look at, there's there's on the one side, there's the issue about services and infrastructure to be delivered and it has to be paid for. So if we want education, if we want uh, health, if we want public transport, if we want social housing, if we want rural broadband, uh, these things have to be paid for. If we want pensions uh, and so on, if we want childcare, uh, if we want child. Protect- uh, money for, for child benefits and so on. Uh, so those have to be paid for. Uh, If they are to be paid for, uh, the money has to be sourced somewhere. Now, in this context, with these kind of numbers, we're talking about the better off. Nobody's going to argue for, I don't, I think that uh, people above 120,000 are not better off. Uh, I think the the vast majority of people would accept that that's anybody earning 120,000 plus is actually better off. That they should pay an additional 600 euro um, a year. Uh, In tax, uh, they might consider it heavy duty. I think most people looking at it would say, "I wouldn't mind to have the one hundred twenty thousand. I pay thirty nine thousand for less than forty thousand in tax, and I still have Mm eighty thousand that to put in my pocket." You know, that's enough. That's that eighty thousand in my pocket is two and a half times almost uh, what people earn before tax, uh, as an
10: average.
3: And you can only look at at what people are earning, or said to be earning, yeah, because right. quite often they're earning a, a lot more than that because of the benefits uh, that they can get for con- pension contributions, uh, health care, private health care, that type of That's thing, true. bonuses uh, and uh, indeed uh, the likes of mileage that is paid, probably far in excess of what they're paying for their petrol or that type of thing. Yeah,
4: well, like one of the things that we would be saying in Social Justice Ireland quite strongly is that there's uh, there's a, there's a pension uh, perk that if you like the higher tax people who are paying more in tax uh, get a bigger benefit or people with a higher income uh, and p- who are currently paying tax at the 40% rate they get a, a much more substantial benefit than people on the standard rate uh, and uh, it's basically to get make sure that both mm-hmm. of them have a pension um, have their own private pension when they, when they retire uh, I think our view would be that uh on the one side the the state pension uh should be universal so that everybody everybody gets it when they when they reach pension uh, pension age, and on the other side, uh, that um, there should be support for investment uh, programmes uh, where people can put their money, and that they're guaranteed that it won't be ripped off by mm. pension the pensions industry, which actually gets most of the benefit from from pensions investment. I think, and and certainly in in the past decade uh, after the crash, people will have seen uh, the value of pension funds and so on go down dramatically or their pension pot go down dramatically. But the interesting thing in that is that the pensions industry didn't seem to lose it out very much itself. It certainly mm. got paid all the time. So I think there's an issue there that maybe the, the state needs to take a closer look at and look at uh, to approach it differently. Not to be handing over mm. uh, this kind of big benefit, the money with that is accumulated because of the benefit, the tax break that's, that's available, and handing it over to private pensions industry who then rip off the people... Many times, uh, uh, that's the case of, of what happens. They certainly okay. don't get good value. Does this it
3: seems to me? Does, does this uh, research uh, make arguments for taking a, a, a look at the approach overall? Because there's other interesting comparisons in it uh, as well. I think the argument is always made about the squeeze, piddle, middle pay for everything and uh, get nothing. Uh, but if you were to reduce the 40% rate uh, to 39% they say that would cost 348 million uh, it's close to what it would yield if you were to increase that rate to 43% on the earners uh, who are earning more than 120,000 it's uh, 350 compared to 280
4: yes and I, I i've heard this argument i've seen it in this report now as well and um, I think we would be saying uh, the government should be very, very careful before reducing a tax rate like that. It makes much more sense to increase the threshold at which it's introduced so that more people don't have to pay the top rate. Uh, that That's a much more a fairer way. But I suppose I, I constantly come back to the same point um, that, and I think it's very, very important because it's at the core of our government decides for this budget, this coming budget for 2019 and we're only a matter of weeks away from it now actually. So what happens? They have a choice to make. Do they use the money that's available for investment in infrastructure like the rural broadband, like social housing, uh, like the education system, like childcare and so on? Or do they use it to give tax cuts? And if they use it to give tax cuts, I think we need to face up to the fact then that we're not going to have the rural broadband that we we. we, we claim everybody should have or we won't have the social housing and we won't have the the education at the level that it should be. We won't have the childcare uh, that's required and we're Uh, we will be, in effect, continuing the kind of spiral that Ireland has been in now for quite a while and needs to break out of. I think we need to invest in that kind of infrastructure and for a budget or two, put the money that's available into building the infrastructure so that down the line, uh, we then have the infrastructure in place. For example, if we were to build a social housing, once it's built, built. it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be built every year. You know, you build the social housing, you deal with the show, with the with, with the waiting lists, you produce enough housing uh, so that everybody is in accommodation, and you end the homelessness. Then you have a situation where you have a very different uh, starting point I- of a year because you only have to deal with the new additions; mm. you don't have to rebuild what's built in that previous few years. So I think from the long-term point of view, Ireland would benefit enormously uh, from putting a priority and, and supporting the infrastructure for a year or two and putting tax cuts on hold until such time as okay. Ireland
6: is in that uh,
3: And And there are the arguments you've been making for many years. I suppose it's possible that the government might heed those arguments this year. It, it may prove impossible again. Uh, but what about uh, this report from the Revenue Commissioner's uh, Are you curious as to why it was done?
4: Oh, no, no, I'm not really. I I, I must give full credit both to the revenue commissioners and then to the Department of Finance and the government's uh, economic evaluation, um, what do they call it, service, Um, they they, 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 they've gone on like they've come on hugely in recent years in doing this kind of work ahead of the budget now we were advocating and have been advocating for quite a while that this kind of work needs to be done every year so that government has an informed approach when it comes to actually uh, making decisions about the budget and not taking a, a shot a chance and saying if we do this maybe this will be the outcome what mm-hmm. we get here from the revenue commissioners and they're completely reputable they say, okay, we do. If you do 43%, this is what you do. If you do, if you introduce it at 80,000, if you introduce it at 120,000, uh, you know those levels of income. Suddenly, the government has real information and the similar studies being done by the Department of Finance and like I mean I have as you know well and your listeners will know well I've had many an argument with, uh, with the Department of Finance, Minister of Finance and the, and the civil service there but uh, I also recognize uh, when they do good things and I think I'm very happy with a lot of the uh, of the work that they're doing. Okay. I still think some of the studies that they have done some of the newer studies um, leave something to be desired in the sense that they're not sufficiently rooted in evidence and uh, I saw one I've seen one or two but they are in the minority the large majority of them are in very very uh, good 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 uh, shape if you like They're good studies now there's one qualification I have on it all mm-hmm. and that is that the studies they're doing are all looking at the economic implications only okay. and not at the social implications for example you look at the economic implications of having sufficient social housing mm-hmm. but if you don't look at the social implications, yeah. you don't catch this, this the growth of of uh, homelessness, for example, yeah. until it's too late. That kind of idea, you
3: know. All right. Now we'll leave it there for the moment. And thank you indeed for joining us. As always. As well thank as well thank always you vital. very much indeed. Father Sean Healy, Director of Social Justice Ireland.
5: Michael Michael Reed Reed
3: on LMFM. The criticism of uh, the world meeting of families and indeed uh, Mary McAleese's criticism of uh, the position the church takes on many social issues has in itself become the subject of criticism and the former president is being criticised by the chairman of Finnegale. This is according to the Irish Independent. Its group political editor Kevin Doyle is on the line. Kevin, tell us about your story today.
7: Good morning, Michael. Um, essentially, I suppose everything uh, ends up in the political realm at some stage. But the, there was a strange Facebook post uh, yesterday by the chairman of the Finnegale National Executive. Now he's the name that most of your listeners may not be familiar with, but he's a central figure in the party, uh, had a very significant role uh, when the, the party uh, was electing a new leader last year and would indeed be involved uh, in scenarios in the past where the party has had to deal with complaints from members or, or issues over social media use. Uh, Gerry O'Connell is his name. But he posted a, a message yesterday in which he, he said basically that Mary McAleese's, uh, what he just called, twice-daily briefings on behalf of Fianna Fáil in Dublin, wrapped down were becoming a bit tiresome, and he said that you could. Uh, they were as dependable as the Angelas, uh, the Angelas for setting your clock. Mm. Um, now, the implication of what he was trying to say there might sound a bit cryptic, but to break that down, he was effectively suggesting that Mary McAleese's, uh, I suppose, moments or many moments recently in the limelight uh, are somehow related to the fact that her son Justin. Um, is eyeing up uh, an attempt to win a seat in Dublin-Ratdown constituency in the next general election. He's made no secret of that. He's a Fianna Fáil uh, constituency representative out there and he has spoken about having uh, ambitions to run for the Dáil as well. Uh, so the suggestion being been quite clear, the implication being clear, that perhaps Mary McAleese was uh, trying to use her leverage or her position as somebody that the media uh, liked to quote uh, to, to gain traction for her son
3: because uh, she certainly has been very vocal indeed uh, we were quoting Mrs McAleese uh, this morning as is the case across all media in recent months uh, as you say in relation uh, to some of the ongoing controversies surrounding the church's position on these issues and indeed uh, the papal visit as well as the world meeting of families uh, but why do you think Gerry uh, O'Connell who is uh, the National Executive Chairman for Fine Gael, is saying this? Is it is it, uh, because it's a, a way of defending the Pope and the Church? Or is it uh, because of the fear of Mrs. McAleese's son, Justin, taking a seat?
7: I, I suspect it's like everything. All politics is local. So I, I suspect there's an element... Um, there, there, there's no doubt there's a, a section of people who are tired and I, I don't want to speak for Gerry for O'Connell because he didn't want to elaborate on, on his Facebook post when, when I spoke to him last night but there is a section of people who are have become a bit wearisome of the, about Mary McAleese's repeated attacks on the church she has a documentary airing on RT tonight uh, about the modern Irish family which will go against the grain I suppose of what the church sees as a family uh, she, she spoke out on the abortion referendum she spoke out on the, in the marriage equality referendum um, so there, there are people, I suppose, who are starting to wonder. It's unusual for a president to be so vocal and so regularly vocal. Um, so there is perhaps a weariness on that. But all politics is local, and I, there, there may have been it may have been a flippant remark, shall we say? But once you put these things out there nowadays, you can't really take them back.
3: Mm. And I, I guess uh, it'll stick with people as is. Quite often the case, you can't take it back. Uh, but people will wonder: uh, Should I take Mary McAleese? Uh, completely serious or is there an agenda here?
7: Yeah, and I'm, it's, it's, I'm not going to say one way or the other. Uh, I, I would be surprised if, if she's uh, using it as a way to, to promote her son. I think that would be uh, a very, very, very unusual uh, way of going about it. She is a former president 14 years in Orson so I don't think she needs to use attacks tax on the church mm. uh, to, to get publicity for anybody to be honest. So I don't think that's the scenario. Mary McAleese has a very interesting history with the Catholic Church. Um, uh, and my colleague John Downing, in a piece he's written in the paper today, is kind of making the point that in many ways her story reflects the vast changes that have come over Irish Catholics uh, since John Paul II's visit. Uh, for everybody, back back in the eighties, Mary McAleese was a, a lone female representative on the, uh, a, a forum that had been set up by Gareth Fitzgerald called the New Ireland Forum, and she was effectively a, a young, thirty-two-year-old woman at that stage. She was representing. She became known as the Bishop's Woman, so she was very much an insider. Uh, she she studied in the Vatican Um, she has always spoken about her faith and and being a Catholic but I suppose the social changes that we've seen in Ireland, she has gone with them in the last few years and having a a gay son herself Mm. uh, perhaps has has more experience than than many of those in the hierarchy. And she's
3: studied theology hasn't she? Uh, And uh, that knowledge uh, would lead her to believe that that's a a position that the Church is taking uh, but doesn't need to take, uh, that it's possible to endorse same-sex relationships uh, and indeed all that goes with it.
6: Yeah, she studied theology and I
7: think uh, canon law as well after she left Oxford and moved new ones. So she, she has spent a lot of time at this. She is not somebody who is reading the newspapers and watching the documentaries on television uh, and making her mind up from that. She has actually gone and done the groundwork on that. So she is probably more qualified than, than the rest of us mm. to be talking about these issues. Um it's just, I suppose, it fits uncomfortably uh, with some people. I mean, the, the comments which have really, I suppose, brought her onto the front pages of the newspapers over the last week or two uh, was that interview she gave in which she called the World Meeting of Families a right-wing uh, rally, suggesting that it was there to motivate people to fight against gay rights and same-sex marriage uh, and other issues like that. So I think that's what has really irked people. Uh, with that particular comment.
3: And she's piled controversy on top of controversy, and you can understand to some degree why she would be at odds with the organisers of the World Meeting of Families, because Cardinal Kevin Farrell is the Dublin-born Cardinal who barred her from speaking at a conference in the Vatican to mark International Women's Day.
7: Yeah, that that conference, of course, was moved outside of the, the Vatican Walls, if you like, uh, it went ahead anyway, but it, it went ahead, I suppose, without the blessing of the the, the papal hierarchy. Um, and so there have there have been those conflicts uh, with Mary McAleese in the very very recent past. And you're right; I mean, the organisers of the World Meeting for families Families, uh, I imagine, have have very little love for Mary McAleese because she has uh, brought, I suppose, a shadow down on top of it. And I mean, there are events, as uh, as we know much larger events than any row Mary McAleese might cause with what happened in America over the last... Mm. A week or so and of course the, the the Pope now going to meet victims of church clerical sex abuse when he comes here so I mean there are far bigger issues And Cardinal Farrell,
3: right. Kevin Farrell this Dublin born Cardinal uh, I think is reported to have lived for six years uh, with uh, another Cardinal McCarrick uh, who uh, is uh, known to have been a notorious paedophile and his questions about what Kevin Farrell knew about his activities and it was said that he and Donald Whirl and others knew about it uh, uh, and there's questions for him about the cover-up of child abuse that uh, remain unanswered. Uh, there have been calls for him to be withdrawn from the speakers, another cardinal who's currently on the line-up, and uh, apart from that, we've had two cardinals already withdraw themselves. So this has been marred in controversy, and the Taoiseach has been asked about this. This has got very political, hasn't it?
7: Yeah, oh, absolutely, and, and Cardinal Kevin Farrell, of course, has denied that he knew anything about the activities of his uh of his housemate, if we should call him that. Uh, But yeah, you're right. The Taoiseach asked yesterday, basically, what is he going to be saying to the Pope? What is They will meet in Dublin Castle. And that's the only event Mary McAleese will actually attend is the the state event in Dublin Castle. She's boycotting the word meeting of families. But the, the Taoiseach, he had strong enough words yesterday suggesting that the Catholic Church should bring in mandatory reporting. Now, this is something that was brought in only last year in law in this country, whereby effectively, if you know or have uh, genuine suspicions that a, that a child uh, is in danger or has been sexually abused, there is an onus, a legal onus, on you to actually alert th- the authorities to it. And he's suggesting that that's now the law in Ireland. It's not the law in every country, but the Catholic Church could adopt it itself, even if it's not the law, the Catholic Church could adopt, actually adopt it. So, so that's one practical measure. Yeah. Uh, the but when we asked him what he was going to say to the Pope when he actually meets him in Dublin Castle, he was a little bit more coy. He kind of was saying that he wanted to wait and see uh, where, when they'd actually get in the room as to what where the conversation might go. So he was a little bit more coy about what directly he'd be raising the Pope. Mm.
3: Uh, and uh, that is probably as it, it should be, I gather, because uh, we're not just talking about a uh, religious figure, a church leader, we're talking about a, a head of state.
10: Yeah, and a lot of controversy, I
7: suppose, over the fact that the Pope is coming here for the World Meetings of Families, but the state is pumping in around £30 million into to facilitating and being here for 36 hours. It's nearly a million euro an hour uh, the taxpayers are putting up for the Pope to be uh, in Dublin and Mayo uh, on, on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, there's, there's the real conflict of church and state here. There are people who will take that a disgrace, and then the Taoiseach's point on that one being, well, actually, you have 600,000, 700,000 people are flocking to either the Phoenix Park or to the Shrine and Knock to see him, and the state is spending the money to keep those people safe, to make sure they can get to the venue, to make sure they can get home, to make sure that there's the medical facilities and the guardy uh, there to, to keep them safe and healthy. So it's, it's a very, it's going to be very interesting, like to see how it all plays out uh, over the next few days, because with I uh, suppose the news agenda now very much on the abuse scandals, uh, the Pope, so here uh, I suppose to do would be speaking, speaking to the converted. But he will also have to speak to people to a very, very little time for the Catholic Church.
3: Okay, we'll leave it there for the moment. Kevin, many thanks for joining us this morning. Kevin Doyle Group, a political editor with independent news and media.
5: Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. FM.
3: Six potential presidential candidates will address members of Meath County Council on Monday or at least six of them will address the councillors uh, this coming Monday and independent councillor Nick Killian joins us now. Good morning. Last time we spoke, uh, I think we were talking about three potential candidates uh, addressing uh, this special meeting that's taking place on Monday but in fact it could even be more than six that come before you.
10: Yeah, good morning, Michael. Yes, I mean, what we know about is six at this particular point in time with Jimmy Smith, Gavin Duffy, Senator John Freeman, John Graw, Kevin Sharkey and Sarah Louise Mulligan. I think there may be one other person who may come along as far as uh, from what I gather. So we're looking forward to meeting all these people on Monday and hearing what they have to say and hearing the presentations that they make. And it's a, a meeting that's been uh, held but with all of our, my colleagues present, and it will be tightly chaired by our career look, Tom Kelly.
3: OK, and uh, you'll be selecting a candidate if you do select a candidate when?
10: We can't do it on Monday because the risk hasn't been formally signed off yet by the Department of the Environment. So we're not in a position to formally vote or nominate uh, a person um, until that happens and there'll be a meeting held. It'll either be held at our very first meeting if the risk is signed and we can only Actually, nominate because you asked me this question yeah, before. Yeah, we can actually only nominate one candidate.
7: Yeah, you I can, understand.
10: And you can only do this uh, once.
3: Yeah, so I understand that. That's the case. Uh, but uh, if people don't come before you on Monday, uh, will they get uh, another opportunity to do so? Because we okay. hear some other names floating around, Sean Gallagher and other people uh, who yeah. may put their names forward. To
10: be, to be fair, can- hadi- councillors, of course, will meet these people. We're we're in that bu- we're in that business, if you like. The, the uh, I know that presidency is is above politics but we're we're politicians and of course we meet meet people all the time and certainly if anybody approaches me of course I'm going to meet them and I'm going to listen to them and uh, as will I'm sure all of my colleagues.
3: Okay, and uh, do you know uh, the six names uh, yourself uh, at this stage? Here they are. Jimmy Smith, for example,
10: uh, wouldn't Jimmy be known to many people. A, he's a musician, Gavin, though, not he? Gavin, obviously, yeah. he's mm, one of our own, mm, as they say, yeah, yeah. Uh, from County Meath. We've Senator John Freeman, obviously, who's head of Theatre House and mm. also has a, a mead connection to her sister, Theresa Lowe. Uh, John Grork, um, I don't know anything about. Kevin Sharkey, obviously, I know he's uh, an artist. Mm. And,
3: and people would have heard Louise. him speaking here yesterday was, as well. Yeah. And uh, Sarah Louise Mulligan, then, who is that?
10: Um, Sarah, I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, mm. I don't know that girl whatsoever.
3: Okay. Interesting, it, isn't it?
10: It is. I mean, it's, it's great because um, when I, I think I spoke to you what, months ago that my attitude was that there should be an election and now we have a plethora of candidates coming forward and they're going to get selected um, by various local authorities around the country. So if you give us the opportunity that um, when the writ is called, candidates are nominated, Obviously, President Higgins will be uh, running anyhow, and then, uh, he, if you like, the other people who are running will have that opportunity then to go and make their presentations around the country. So I'm looking forward to the presidential election. I think it's essential that it's, that it's been held. I know some people have a different point of view, but I think from a democratic point of view and from the country's perspective, um, it's, it, it'll be good. It's good. For people to have that opportunity.
3: Sure, but uh, I mean, Sinn Féin are going to put forward a, a candidate. That means there will be a contest. Uh, Michael D. Higgins will have to compete to become the next president because of the Sinn candidate. That's the only thing we know for sure at this certain. There may not be another candidate. There may be a candidate who's nominated by four councils. There may be a candidate who gets the Iraq, uh, the, the backing of 20 Rockers members, but there's no certainty.
10: Well, I think No, there's no certainty, but I genuinely think from my contacts with colleagues around the country uh, who I know through the association of various local government, most local authorities are actually prepared to to nominate a candidate. So I think candidates are going to come forward uh, and it will be those ones who obviously make the best presentation Mm. to the members and I think there, there will be at least two or three candidates to come through the local authority system. That's my belief and I also believe that there's an opportunity there to the independents independent senators and independent TDs for them to nominate a candidate if they wish to do so. And I certainly would be encouraging uh, dial deputies and dial senators or senators to put a candidate forward themselves. Mm. we are independent so we have that opportunity so so why not take it
3: and I, I think they'll be very close to it if they don't do it and the expectation is that they will and the expectation I think as you say is that there will be a, a number of independent candidates nominated by the councils but the problem yeah. I suppose and why there is no certainty in all of this is that uh, Mead County Council can nominate whoever you choose to nominate uh, but that doesn't make somebody a candidate until they get the same support from three other councils
10: and that's obviously what all of these people are, are doing. They're mm. travelling around to all the local authorities um, to make their their presentation they've already done. So I think were, Carlo was the last one, our... Uh, Last week, I think there was, there was presentations in Carlo. So it's, it's, it's going, I genuinely think it's going to happen. And did, and did you get any I mean, contact
3: from Carlo, for example? Uh, I mean, is there any coordination going on between local authority members or no. between the party members on the different councils?
10: Not at this point in time. You see, over the summer period... Things kind of meetings and that don't happen. So unless you're kind of at meetings where you're picking up and talking to other councillors around the country, um, talking to candidates across all the parties, uh, and even here in Meath, um, candidates in the you know in the main political parties are, are already making choices mm. and are prepared to vote for certain candidates.
3: Yeah, so, Will they vote uh, 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 along the same line? Uh, Party political line, if you like, uh, across the country. I mean, there was talk, let's say, that uh, Fianna Fáil councillors would have uh, voted uh, for Eamon O'Keeve had he put himself forward as uh, an independent candidate. It appears now that he's not going to do that, but that would be a good example of what I mean.
10: Yeah, I, I get the point in relation to Eamon O'Crieve, but I think that's a, a Fianna Fáil. Fianna Fall are in a bit of turmoil themselves over that. I think there's a group of councillors there who would nominate and the party hierarchy are saying, no, don't do it. So, you know, they have to sort themselves out. Uh, Finney I know, have a directive from headquarters saying, you know, don't support a candidate. We're support, supporting Michael D. Uh, the only ones who have really come out and uh, up, been up front and said they're putting a candidate forward is, is Sinn Féin. So um, political parties will do what political parties do, but, polit- but councillors don't particularly like being told by their uh, headquarters what they should or what they shouldn't do at local level. So I think councillors will, will vote focus their feet. And I think in need here, we have good candidates coming forward. I think mm. you know where my preference is going. I'm backing Gavin mm. Duffy, mm. and uh, for all sorts of reasons. And um, I believe that he, if he gets the opportunity to run, he'll make an excellent candidate, and we'll see what happens then during the presidential okay,
3: campaign. I'm sure you'll listen to them all, though, won't you?
10: Of course we listen to them all. <laughs> okay. Of course we listen to them all. <laughs> okay. That's that's what we have to do <laughs> okay. and must do. Well, I mean, we right. get well, everyone that opportunity. Well,
3: I'm sure they'll all have plenty to say uh, because uh, they've each been allocated a, a half an hour. Uh, well, they're getting 20 minutes.
10: 20 and minutes. And then there's a 10-minute okay. questions and answers afterwards. So
1: mm-hmm.
10: um, we'll be well we'll we'll will well listen and uh, probably be well listened to afterwards as well.
3: Okay, and I'm sure there'll be lots of reporting on it and we look forward to hearing what has been said on Monday. Thank you for the moment for joining us though. Independent councillor on Meath County Council, Nick Killian brings our programme to its conclusion today. Our time has run out and as once again thanks to Marie Kearns for producing, Maggie McGuire for researching and Chris Marie in the control tower. I'm Michael, God willing we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning, nine AM on LMFM Good morning, bye bye.
2: The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at
1: lmfm.ie. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.